Welcome, welcome, welcome to episode 44 of the Fly Route Podcast. I am your host, Anthony, a.k.a. Tony Playboy, a.k.a. Drafting Ball Z. And I am joined here by a great friend of mine, Eric. Y'all might have heard of him, a.k.a. Eric from Zone 6. Actually, it's Eric from Zone 4. Don't put me in Zone 6. I got people looking for me in Zone 6. Uh oh. Eric is relocated. relocated. <laughs> the block was hot. Appreciate that. Yeah. Speaking of people from Atlanta, man, how do you feel about young Hoku getting his whole Jeep Jack? Look, let me explain to you right now. Oh, 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 oh spit that tea, sis. First off, y'all need. Mm. <laughs> you individuals have affronted one of our great citizens in Young Ho. Young Ho is true ATL. Y'all need to give him his Jeep back, bring him his cleats back. Y'all can't kick it like him. You probably can't even drive it like him. Just bring the man Jeep back. Do what you normally do. Go get you a base model charger and put like the word sport on it or something. I don't know. Y'all love base model chargers because y'all basic. Oh, man. Uh, Does he keep all his cleats in the car? I think that's how football players roll. They just keep that kind of equipment in the car because... You don't want it funking up the house, so why wouldn't you just keep it in a car? I like all of his cleats. He's like, I ain't got no cleats to kick with. And I was like, what? Okay, well, how many pair of cleats does he need to kick with? Is a better question. I have no I, idea. I, 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 look, I, I, it made it sound like he had like eight pairs of cleats in the car and they took them all. What you going to do with a kick? Okay, sure. If you've been to Atlanta, y'all playing flag football on the street, who going to wear his cleats on the street? <laughs> hey, what are y'all doing? <laughs> oh, just right. holes in the gr- oh my god! <laughs> Look, we have an exciting show for you all today. <laughs> we are going to get into our NBA mock draft. The draft is a little bit under a week out. By the time you all hear this, we're going to let you know what we are thinking about all of the picks and give you the first round. And we're going to give you the fly route for Damian Lillard. Maybe he did not request the trade. Maybe he did. But we all kind of see the writing on the wall. And his time in Portland seems to be coming towards an end. Now, we are apparently, going to, he's going to the Lakers. That is not happening. We are going to get into the NFC South and give you our predictions for all of those teams and who we think the division winner is going to be. And last but not least, we are going to give a big baller's bouquet to Micah Parsons of the Dallas Cowboys. All right, we are going to get into our 2021 NBA mock draft. I have Eric here. He's going to have the even picks. I am going to have the odd picks, and we are going to let you know how we think things might shake out. So number one, least interesting pick of the draft, most interesting player of the draft. Everyone knows who is going to be. It is undeniable. It is going to be Cade Cunningham from Oklahoma State University. Look, this dude is undeniably head and shoulders over all of the other players as far as prospects go right now. Do you disagree? I don't think he's head and shoulders over Mobley from USC. 
NBA NBA does love bigs that are versatile that can you know space the floor and do a little bit of everything. I heard, I think it was you know on the Ringer or someplace where they were like he might walk, come to the NBA and like average a triple double or have the capacity to average a triple double. So I think that there may be some talk, but ultimately, since Cade Cunningham isn't going to fall to the Hawks, I guess we'll let him go to the Pistons. Yeah, I just it, it seems like Cade Cunningham has the ability to be a strong two way player, a great defender, a great scorer, ability to pass and get all of the other players on the court available. He's going to go to the Pistons, so I don't really know how well that works out. But Jeremy look, Grant, his, give him credit. Look. Olympian. Look, that Olympic squad is dealing with a lot of problems right now. Let's move oh, on. To the about that. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, not, that wasn't a great yeah. idea, actually. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on to the second pick. You got Houston. Who are you taking? Look, this is a tough pick. I thought really hard about this. I thought it was going to be Jalen Green by a landslide, and then I started looking at uh, Evan Mobley, and I thought the fit of Mobley next to. Um, the fit of Mobley uh, next to Christian Woods might be interesting, but I also thought it might be a little bit too much of overlap. I think Green can probably score at an elite level, and he may have more upside than anybody in the draft. I think he has the athleticism, the perimeter shooting. He's got the Zach Levine hops, which, you know, will make for the nightly uh, highlights. If I'm the Houston Rockets, I'm taking Justin Green. Jalen Green? Jalen Green, sorry. It's close. It's close. Yep. Okay. So at the third pick, I feel like this is the draft is shaking out pretty the way everybody sees it. And I feel like, unfortunately for the Cavs, they, they need to take Evan Mobley just because he's the best player available on the board at that time. Even though it, it feels kind of weird seeing as they have Jared Allen. And there is going to be a lot of conflict and overlap there. It's just, you are right. He's extremely versatile. He has the ability to score on multiple levels. He it, it It is too good to pass up this high in the draft. I think that with all the Colin Sexton rumors, they were hoping that Jalen Green would fall to them and they would be able to take him and maybe move on from Colin Sexton and get something back for their wings. But that I think that's where... Cleveland ends up being if Jalen goes second. Yeah, if they can't move uh, Sexton, then Mobley's the pick. It makes too much sense. I think Shaq's going to hate him because he's a big that doesn't play with like post moves. But I think I'm next at number four. Is that right? Yes. Yeah, this one's easy. Uh, You're looking at Kyle Lowry leaving probably in free agency. Toronto Raptors need to restock and add a secondary ball handler and a guy that can create uh, for other guys as well on that team. This is easy. I'll take Jalen Suggs, guard from Gonzaga. Too easy, too talented, too young. Fits real nice with that team. I think that's an excellent pick if they get Suggs at four. Okay, okay. That makes sense. That makes sense. I I feel like at that point, you, you got Orlando. Orlando's in a pretty good space right now, being at the fifth spot. They, they take Scotty Barnes, forward from Florida State University. Orlando Ooh. has, yeah, I, I think that's where it's at. Orlando has a plethora of guards already. They have Cole Anthony. They have Markel Fultz. They have a center. They got another one from the Bulls in a trade. I think they need to pick, 
adjust or figure out what they have going on on the wings. Scotty Barnes can play small forward. Him next to Jonathan Isaacs actually can be a like defensive unit for that team. And I think he has the ability to play from playoff screens, set really good ones. He played point guard in college, so he can definitely pass and keep the ball moving around, which is something you want to do with a team as young as Orlando is going to be. I think it's going to be hard to beat the value that they can get from Scotty Barnes at five. Oh, I don't really like you right now because I had Scotty going six. Um, oh, uh, yeah, that's going to happen. That's going to happen. That's what makes yeah, it interesting. It doesn't make it interesting because it makes my life harder because now I need to pick between two players. One player I really like, and then there's one player I just think they're going to take because he's young and more talented. I'm going to, I'm going to take Jonathan. I say the name wrong. Kuminga. Kuminga. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I'm I'm going with the athleticism, the sort of ball handling, the sort of scoring threat. I thought really hard. I think you're going to take him next at Golden State at number seven. But there's a guard from Baylor that I also love to death. And I thought about putting him in OKC. It is. It is. I love that guy. But I'm going to take the wing and the guy that can, if he gets a jump shot, you know, may remind some people of Kevin Durant. So, yeah, I'll take it. Uh, there's nobody in this draft that you should be like, may remind people of Kevin Durant. I put my hand over my mouth for a reason, man. We're in COVID. I was social distancing that I take. Come on. <laughs> Look, okay. So, numbers at, at seven, Davion Mitchell seems to be a high opportunity yeah. pick for the Golden State Warriors. I, however, believe that you might be able to get Davion Mitchell later on in the draft and go to state also picks again at 14. They do. At, yes, they have two. They have two lottery picks. So my personal opinion with this pick is that Golden state needs to trade this pick. They need to trade this pick and try to build a package for a player. But if mm-hmm. you ask me what I think that they should do, and I think it's going to shock a lot of people. But I think they should actually take Alperin Sengun. And that is the Turkish player in the draft. Yes, I know who like, it is. Yeah, you think that's high, right? And I think that's actually where they should go. I think it bolsters their front court rotation. He's too small to really be a center in the in the in the NBA. So he's probably more of a four guy. And he this is gonna be unpopular, but I think he is probably one of the more NBA ready prospects in the league being a person that played professionally overseas in the third best league in the world and won Turkish MVP at 18. And Golden State is not ready for a project. I have a question. Yes. Clay Thompson is out for the first half of the season. Does that change? And you know that now. Does it change your pick? If, if I knew Clay Thompson would be out for the first half of the season, I, I understand the pressure to then pick Davion Mitchell in that situation because you're like, you need to play somebody next to Steph. But if your idea is we need to win a championship, right? Davion Mitchell is going to be mostly a bench rotation person. And okay. once Clay is back. So I also think that if you can at 14, 
that's where you would take Davion Mitchell because outside of maybe Indy at 13, the next like teams from eight to 13 need no guards. No, I think if you're, I think your calculation about Mitchell maybe falling might be correct. If he doesn't go to Golden State, it's a bit of a struggle to think where he goes. Um, so I'm sort of with you there, but I, ooh, I had him going at lights with San Antonio. So, okay, that's fine. Oh, okay. You would take him at the 12th pick. I had him at 12 with San Antonio because it feels like a San Antonio pick. Oh, Alprin Sengun. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Look, that is, it is very San Antonio to pick the guy from Europe. That's really talented and other people are sleeping on him and then watch him blow Mm -hmm. up. Hella San Antonio thing to do, right? I think that people like him are going to start going higher in the draft than they are before. After we start seeing people like Luca, like um, Jokic, et cetera, like especially Jokic being like a second round pick. Like these guys that were really, really good in super competitive international leagues are probably going to start inching higher and higher into the draft because people are getting a lot of FOMO from missing out on those type of players. Hashtag copycat lead. All right. Yes. Hey, that's the facts. I'm So I'm going with a player that reminds me of a guy that's currently playing on the Hawks. Maybe the most consistent offensive player we had next to Trey Young. He reminds me a lot of Danilo Gallinari. I'm going with Franz Wanger. Wagner. Excuse oh, me. Forward. Wow. They need shooting. They need shooting in the worst way. And if there's one thing he can do is shoot. Put him out there, let him stretch the floor, spacing. He gives them all that. He may not look like, quote-unquote, a lottery pick, but he fits what Orlando needs. If Orlando is bad, and let me say this right now, Orlando, if you are bad, then you probably try to take someone like Keon Johnson, and you're just like, hey, we're not going to have anyone that can shoot, but it would be Orlando, so that makes sense. <laughs> I'm yeah. running the show, and we're taking uh, we're taking friends. That is okay. That that kind of puts me in a tough spot because that was who I definitively had San, San Sacramento wanting to take is Franz Wagner because they need to bolster their front court. So at this Go point, on. I like minds, this. Yeah. yeah, at this point, I'm kind of ooh. At this point, it's a little bit, uh, I want to say, difficult for me to decide who should go here. I think you, you're you kind of right about Keon Johnson being the same prototype of a player for mm-hmm. this team. So I think that if they get sniped, they go with Keon Johnson. He's 6'5", like 190. He has a great first step. He's really versatile on both ends of the floor, and he allows them to get a guy that at six five may be a little small to play the three, mm-hmm. but that's where they would probably like him to be the most, like somewhere where he could switch off with Harrison Barnes in the three four area. You would really think this team wanted to get big, but at this point, well, if they trade, uh, like, what's his name? I can see them maybe, but they're not. They're not going to get the big that probably everybody wants because you took them. As early as you did, but you know, I, I, and and I feel like at that point they end up having to go for a player that they think is going to get them the most value at that spot. They're, they're, for sure, yeah. And 
there's another guy that I have in mind, but I'm hoping I get the seven for the 11th pick. So I'll let you go at 10. All right. So at 10, I'm looking at New Orleans, new coach. They've got Zion. Do they bring back Melo? Um, me and the young gentleman on the screen have had a very interesting debate about Melo. No, oh, sorry, Lonzo. I said Lonzo. They're all the same. Uh, we've had the same debate either way. Uh, I have sort of hated on all the Ball brothers since they entered the league collectively. Um, these are facts. But that being said, do they bring back Lon- Lonzo is an interesting question. What do they need? They need a guy that can shoot. And this is going to be a running theme. Someone that comes into the league that can play right away at a high level and fit a need. I am going with Corey Crisper from Gonzaga, wing, to New Orleans. Okay. Okay, that's interesting. I like that pick. I like that pick. If that's where things kind of end up shaking out, I feel like Charlotte gets here and gets a little bit of a steal at Trey Murphy from Virginia. Really? Wow. Whoa. Okay. Okay. What's up? No, 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 no. This This is why this draft is so interesting to me. After, like, the first five picks, a lot of this is real interchangeable. And I think you're going to see players. It's going to be personal preference. So my 19th player might be your 12th player or 10th player. So, yeah, no, I, I'm not I'm not knocking it. I'm just, okay, I like that pick. It's interesting. I, I like I like this guy. He's, he's a strong three-point shooter, which is kind of what you want around, well, now we're talking Melo, right? Instead of Alonzo, what you kind of want around Melo, you want guys that can play defense. You want guys that can hit spot-up threes, and you want guys that can roll to the rim. And Melo's going to set them up and get everybody kind of where they need to be from there. And I think he fits that mold fantastically. He shot over 40% from three and took a decent amount of threes. He's a fantastic free throw shooter. He can't really he can't really create his own shot, but that's not really what you are actively looking for on the Charlotte's roster on Charlotte's roster right now. You have guys that can get their own shot. Hayward can get his own shot. Melo can. Rozier can. You need guys that will play defense, roll to the rim, and kind of be glue. And I think Trey Murphy is a great fit for that. All right. I need to mark down where I had Murphy. Did you have him all the way down at 19? Because that's the I don't don't think I had him. Yeah. I don't think I have him in, like, my mock at all. Oh, wow. I I have him being, like, the 14th, 15th best player in the draft is where I had him. So I think it's a little like if we're just ranking all of them on talent, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. But we're just ranking them all on talent. He might be a little overdrafted, but if we're talking about what a team needs versus potential, I think Trey Murphy at 11 at Charlotte makes a lot of sense. Uh, I thought you were going to go Jalen Johnson from Duke, to be honest. Okay. Just because of the Duke Duke connection or um, maybe Josh Gidley. Like I thought, I was thinking wing, but I can live with that. Uh, yeah, so, I have Jalen Johnson way further down. Like Jalen Johnson's in my like late twenties, thirties. Oh, so yeah, so we yeah we we who we thought was going to go at that pick, we've got like opposite opinions on. That's interesting. Okay. Yes. Uh, so I had San Antonio one willing to take the big, but you decided to snipe him from me because you're rude. Um. Oh man, that hurts because I don't. I think. San Antonio wants size and they need someone that is talented 
at the big spot. And there are not a lot of bigs I would take. But I'm going for if this if this play if this guy gets everything, if he wraps it up and he like shows sort of some flashes that he showed at Texas, that it makes sense. I'm taking uh, Kai Jones, big from Texas. Okay, I think he can hit the three. I think he can do a little bit of what you wanted uh, from like a Christian Woods type perspective. Um, stretch the floor, athleticism. I don't know if he's a Popovich type player. But I think that he may be the biggest upside of at least the next set of players that I see that I would really like. All right. That makes sense. That makes sense. All right. At 13, Indiana at this point, I think they want to add another guard to that rotation. They have a very strong court in Miles Turner and, you know, um, homeboy, uh, Saponis. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think they go with James Boonight. And I think that they want someone that can score in bunches. Like TJ Warren looked great in the bubble, but sure. like we don't really know how that's going to translate going forward, et cetera. They want a guy who's going to be able to score from all levels, be able to cut, be able to be kind of just an effective guy to garner points from get, especially because they're not trying to repeat last season. And I feel like this dude is definitely a person that can shoot the three. I have some concerns about him just holding the ball too long and trying to do too much with the handles, but I don't, I don't think he will have a prominent enough role in the offense early to kind of make that an issue. So I think that they would grab James Boonight at 13. All right. It, it has to happen. He's too good of a player to be this far. Uh, Devon Mitchell is going to the Pacers. I understand that uh, there may be better fits. I'm sorry, no. Where, where am I at? 13? 14. Oh, 14. My apologies. Yeah, yeah. sorry. sorry I, miss, I miss both. Uh, the Golden State, they get the, the player you said would fall to them at 14. Uh, it works out well for them. I don't think this will happen in a real-world draft. I think he's too talented. But it gives them instant offense off the bench that can, you know, spell Curry and Clay. Especially as Clay works his way back um, from those injuries. So, hey, Devon, uh, Devon Mitchell, for that question. Okay. Okay. So, when we get to 15 in Oof. Washington, Oof. I look, this is, this is, this also might be unpopular, but I think they go with Usman Gar, Gar Uba. And he's a, what? Did no, I get, no, no, no. I snipe you again? Yeah. No, 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 no. You just sniped me. I was thinking about him if Devon Mitchell wasn't on the board for Golden State at that spot. I thought he was a Draymond clone, but I like that pick. Go ahead. Yeah, I, it varies. Yes, same, same concept. He's, he's a little Draymond-ish in the fact that like he is almost consensus the best defender, pure defender mm -hmm. in the draft. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. that defensive intensity is something Washington needs in spades. Right, they got they got all the scoring in the world. Russ can score, Bradley Beal can score, but they cannot get stops currently. And I think Usman comes in, becomes a big defensive anchor for them, and someone that they can rely upon with the experience that he already has. He's not much of a scorer. He's he's kind of actually anemic as a scorer. But that is well, standing up to Bradley Beal and Russell Westbrook should not be as much of a problem. That's it for the first half of the NBA draft. 
if you're interested in hearing what we have going on for the second half of the NBA draft, you can find it exclusively on the podcast YouTube channel, The Fly Route Podcast. You can search it in YouTube. It'll pop right up and it'll be available by the time that you're listening to this episode. Let us know what you think so far about the draft. If we have any players extremely overrated or even underrated, you can always shout us out on Twitter at the Fly Route Pod. What's up, Playboy? Let's get into the Fly Route for today. Dame has been all the topic of conversation from denied demand trade rumors from saying that this Portland Trailblazers team needs to make a lot of changes for them to be competitive. And look, I'm not the only one. People are seeing the writing on the wall for Damian Lillard eventually leaving Portland, possibly sooner rather than later. So we want to get into the fly route for the best trade package for Damian Lillard. This is on both sides, both what the Portland Trailblazers are going to get back, but also the situation that Dame ends up going to. We feel like Portland isn't going to like screw him over and send him to purgatory. So based off that assumption, I'll let Eric go first. What is your fly route for Damian Lillard? So LA's on the way. Lakers on the way. Sorry, shout out to Yeah, Sandy. baby. Yeah, baby. <laughs> shout, out, shout out to our boy Savvy right there. They love that. Um, I got the Lakers sending to everybody, including Snoop and uh, Jack Nichols. No, I'm joking. Um, the, you ain't going to take Kuzma plus picks? I mean, the Lakers do think that Kuzma can get them him. They think Kuzma can get them anyone and nothing at the same time. I've never <laughs> seen a group of fans that are like, Yo, I'll take Kuzma for a bag of Costco cheeses. Like, huh? What? And then they're like, man, I think we could trade Kyle Kuzma for uh, John Collins. What? Sorry. Kuzma but, KCP for day? <laughs> sure, sure, sure. Court time tickets and some Bitcoin. Um, Twelve. It gives Zion an elite player to play next to, which all superstars need, and someone that can shoot. Plus, they might lose Lonzo, so they're going to need a point guard. Unless they let Lonzo go. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm saying, yeah. Um, Ingram to Portland gives them an all-star, someone that can help with the scoring, that can score from the perimeter, uh, plays, you know, decent enough defense. And obviously, Jackson Hayes gives them a big in the middle that can protect the rim. Two young players, building blocks, they can have for the next few years. I couldn't really think, well, I can think of a more interesting one, but I don't know if it's better. But I think that's the best trade package uh, for Dame outside of Kyle Kuzma and KCP. And some picks. Don't forget the picks. Oh, sorry. Oh, I thought you want, I thought it was cheeses. I forgot. I don't know what else they're including. Sure. <laughs> Look, I don't, I don't mind that trade, actually. I think that is actually, especially if you're high on Benham Ingram and think he's going to take mm-hmm. another jump, which I think is a very, very reasonable opinion to have that in the long term, that could end up being great for the Portland Trailblazers. Now, whether or not they can keep that talent long enough for that to actually go down is a different situation. Now, Mm -hmm. for me, however, and I think this is popular. People have talked about this one a lot. 
And when I was thinking about this for Ben Simmons, I didn't think it was all that great for Ben Simmons. But I think the fly route is a trade with the Philadelphia 76ers. And I think the package ends up being Simmons. And then you try to give up Thibel or Maxi, but not both. Now, push comes to shove. If they ask for both and you say no, I think in 12 months we'll be here again looking at you all Philly fans in the Philly front office the same way they were after the James Harden rumors, right? So I think you try to give up Maxi or Thibel. Preferably you would give up Maxi in this situation. And I think that is actually something that Philly fans don't want to hear. But if you give up Ben Simmons and you get Dane back, you've created a huge defensive hole on your team that I think Thibel needs to step up and fill for you all to stay as competitive as you need to be. Now, if I'm Portland, I'm like, you sending me both Ben and Thibel. And the reason why that's fantastic for us is because Portland has been consistently one of the worst defensive teams in the league. I think they were 29th out of 30 this year. And like with the fifth best offense, like that defensive side of the ball is what has consistently kept Portland from being able to take the next step. And I think Ben Simmons is a great addition because he's all NBA defense. That is one of the best lockdown defenders in the league. One through four is on your team. If you also get someone like Thibel that increases the, uh, the style of defense, you can play even more. I, I honestly think that, it fixes the biggest issue that the Portland Trailblazers have as a team structurally. And it also then gives, look, Philly has to feel like they're getting a steal. They have to feel like they're getting a steal, putting Dame next to Joel Embiid, which opens up that championship window for them to be now, to be absolutely now. And it's probably more in the same timeline for Embiid's career playing with Dame at this point because Embiid keeps getting broken down over and over again, more injuries. It doesn't seem like, I hope he has a very long career that is very productive, but it's not what we're looking at currently. And Dame is on the other side of 30. So listen, Ben, we love you here in Atlanta. We really do. (laughs) Um, You know, you know, lemon pepper Lou on us. I'm just saying, Um, look, the reason the Simmons trade makes sense is if you think Simmons can do something more than what he is. The last thing we remember Ben Simmons doing is literally being afraid to dunk a basketball out of fear of being fouled. He then passed that ball to Thibel, who you said you wanted in the draft, who then missed one of the two free throws, which Joel and B said, and I quote, that was the momentum changer in the game. Okay, I understand that, that on Thibel. I, I, I did. I said what I said. No, that's bullshit. He passed it to Thibel, who had two dudes on him. He missed a free throw. Never mind. I'm moving on. I'm sorry. Right. That's still one more free throw made than Ben Simmons made. Anyway, the, the reason that I, if I'm Portland, I want Maxi and not Thibel because I want there's some redundancy with uh, sort of Thibel and Ben Simmons, because I think they're similarly the same players, except for Ben is obviously bigger and can maybe get to the rim um, if he wants to get to the rim. When he decides just, time? Sure, whenever that is. Um, I, I actually like Ben Simmons, and I, you know, I think that the hate on Ben Simmons went a little bit too far, and I think 
you know, no one's giving credit to sort of what Atlanta did to put him in that situation. But he got put in that situation. I think if I'm, ooh, if I'm Portland, that's interesting. Who's the, you would think that they, that Simmons is the, is the best player out of our packages, right? Is that fair? Would you think, you don't think Ingram's better than Simmons, do you? Uh, it depends on what you value, defense or offense, because Ingram is a yeah. world's better offensive ooh. player than, yeah, than Simmons that's, currently. Yeah, that's a, like, that's a, Ingram can yeah. drop 40 from the outside. Sure. He can get buckets when he wants yes. to. Um, yes, he can. And I think that's like my biggest problem with the Simmons trade is it puts too much offense on C.J. McCollum. And I'm not I'm saying that C.J. McCollum can't come out and get you 30, but you're asking him to come out and get you maybe 40 on a night and then hit a 40-foot three-pointer like Dane did. And if he scores like 30 and doesn't hit that 40-footer, then people don't get mad because you know how NBA fans are. They're irrational. So I, I wouldn't want to put all that offense on him if I'm Portland. I understand you don't want Dame in the same conference, but I think it's a better package to get Ingram and a big that can defend the paint. But, you know, name value still matters. If you think Ben Simmons is one of the top 15 players in this draft, go with God. Yeah, the Ben Simmons thing is also just like their hope. And, you know, every anybody that tries to trade for Ben is going to hope that they can fix Ben, right? And Portland mm-hmm. might be a great place to fix Ben. Like, almost none of your games will be on national TV because everyone there were good with Damian Lillard doing MVP-like things. They got no mm-hmm. national TV coverage. Mm-hmm. The Portland fans seem to be pretty chill. Like, it's the opposite of Philly. So that might actually end up working kind of well for yeah. Ben Simmons in the long term when it comes to like improving and getting to the next level, both as like a shooter, a scorer, being more aggressive, etc. And I I will just say if we're projecting potential, it's kind of hard not to take Ben. If you think Ben just won't get better because he won't work at it, which have we had this conversation about how uh the Brett Brown staff was just like Joel Embiid being fat and Ben Simmons get being lazy is going to get us fired. <laughs> that's back when Joe, uh, Joe was eating cheeseburgers, watching anime before games on the court. Look, <laughs> all I can hear in my head right now is the dudes over there at Supreme Dreams when they were imitating Doc Rivers. And he just asked him, like, what are you afraid of, Ben Simmons? Is it Trey Young? Who scared you on the Atlanta Hawks? Right. And so I feel like for the coaching staff of Philadelphia, they've got to get rid of one. And obviously the one you got to get rid of is Ben Simmons. I understand it. If you think Ben Simmons is a top 15 talent, sure, knock yourself out. I just think, I think Ingram, I think Ingram can be defensive, but man, he can get you a bucket. And sometimes you just need to get a bucket sometimes. It makes sense. Ask the I, Lakers if they rather have Ingram or Kuz right now. I mean, look, they, I don't think that was an option. I don't think they were like, we want Kuz. Like, <laughs> that, like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> All right, that was your fly route. Y'all, it's Tony Playboy. Okay, let's get into our predictions for the NFC South. As always, now I'm trying to bring a fan of a team in the division. Oh, look, look at him walking away. So, you know, that means it's a great place to start at. 
Uh, let's start with the Falcons, buddy. How are you feeling about this season? I mean, look, you got Cal Pitts. That's great. Then you traded Julio Jones and went from probably one of the best wide receiving units possible to, uh, I'm not really sure what you want to call that. You know, I had a dream during the fourth pick of the NFL draft that Kyle Pitts and Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley would give me hope of getting to the NFL playoffs. And, um, you know, last I heard, because I've been focused on the Atlanta Hawks, I don't know if you know the Atlanta Hawks got to the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, so I haven't really heard anything going on with the Atlanta Falcons. So, I mean, I think we're good. I, did I miss anything important? Uh, I mean, besides Bingo? No, we don't want to talk about him. Yeah, so anyway, um, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to give you what I feel like the energy is around the Atlanta Falcons for fans. And I, I think we're very confused. And I think there's a lot of uncertainty. I think you look at Kyle Pitts and you see a monster in the waiting. And I think that if he has a season where he's 700 yards receiving, nine touchdowns, people are going to think it's a failure. Because I think that they are going to demand Julio Jones-type numbers from him. And he's not going to do Julio Jones things. That's not what he's built to do. At least not maybe in the first year. You don't want to put that, those expectations on him. I'm going to say something very controversial, and I know Falcon fans are going to flip out, and I'm really sorry. Y'all were not going to draft a quarterback. We were not going to trade Matt Ryan. I know these are things you do not want to hear, but I'm here to tell you the truth. You know why you weren't going to trade Matt Ryan? Because no one wanted Matt Ryan. So since no one wanted Matt Ryan, we could have either, A, ate all the cap, or we could restructure him and create some cap space. Don't know what they have on defense. I love Dean Pease. I love their coaching staff, right? We love Grady Jarrett. Um, and I think, you know, last year they were not terrible against the run and they had some moments. But, you know, we're, ha- we're living in the fog of there's no Julio Jones. My mom was a diehard Julio Jones fan. Her, there's, I have a special sort of urn. My mom passed away in her Julio Jones jersey. Lays right next to her. And... Like, it's hard to envision what the Falcons are in a world of no Julio Jones. But the entire NFC South is just in a complete state of uncertainty, to be honest with you. I mean, we can talk about the Saints. We can talk about the Panthers. But I'll pose this question to you. At the end of the Super Bowl, if I told you the Tampa Bay Bucks came back with every starter that they had, the Falcons got rid of Julio Jones, the Saints lost Drew Brees, and the Carolina Panthers brought in Sam Darnold. Do you really think any of those teams are messing with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? No. Okay. No. Okay, I- I'm with you. I'm with you. I had the Falcons probably going 6-11. and 11. And that's a little harsh. I mean, like, look, there's a possibility of seven wins. I felt like you all would beat the Eagles, the Jets, the Jags, the Lions, and split with the Panthers. And that would put all it on, six man. We could, we could wait. That's got to be. Come on, we got to get at least eight. That's not right. Are you trying to see your schedule? I am trying to see my schedule because I'm in pain right now. So give me a moment. Give me uh, a moment. I can, I can put your schedule on the screen. No, no, sir. Yo, why you got to bring up old stuff? Just let me do it my way. Let I me can put the schedule on the screen, no, sir. No, no, we, we, we good, we good. Are you no, sure? We good. 
Are you yeah, sure? I'm good. Yeah, Are I'm you sure? sure? Well, hold Are on. I'm sure? doing math. Doing math sure. in Okay. That's one sure. win. Two, two wins. That's an L. Three. L. L. Four. L. Why y'all watching? Go through the schedule. L. Six. L. We gonna win six games. <laughs> oh man! Oh, we gonna win six. For all oh, of our video Lord. listeners uh, or viewers on YouTube, I put up the Falcon schedule as he went through it and figured out that six wins is actually a pretty, like, it's not a mean prediction. So then I give you, would you take the over or under on six and a half, Eric? So these are not, you know, tips for you to be gambling. These are for fun. I am not telling you what you should or should not do. I will just say that there's a person I know named Derek who after the NFL draft took the over on seven and a half. And then when the Julio Jones trade in order to compensate for that, Derek took the under on six and a half. So do with that as you may. Did um, Derek, you know, Derek both sides of the Falcons spread? Uh, Derek, Derek, Derek panicked back and put the under, which, you know, sometimes you just got to break even. Sometimes you got to break even with Vegas. Sometimes Vegas, <laughs> sometimes Vegas take out the way. So that's what you do. Look, I think that if you're an optimistic Falcons fan, here's the optimistic scenario. New coaching staff, new energy. There are players on the defensive side of the ball that are better than you think. Better O-line play, better balance on, on in the game. The one thing that people have to understand is the hatred for teams in the NFC South run deep. And it doesn't matter how talented you think you are. Go back and look at the Carolina other uh, Buccaneers games two Falcons played, and they sort of gave them hell. Look at the fact that they almost beat the Kansas City Chiefs in Kansas City. I think that there is a pathway that Atlanta gets to nine. And that pathway is the coaching staff. Because remember, the Atlanta Falcons had a uh, run differential or point differential that was reminiscent of a team that was seven and nine last year or eight and eight. I can't remember the exact like number. If they get a little bit better on regression and they close out games that they win, like remember they were beating the Bucks down um, late in the season and all of a sudden Tampa Bay had to come back. I think Matt Ryan threw for like 250 or three touchdowns. Then you, there's a pathway that maybe they beat the Saints one time because their quarterback situation is very, very suspect. Um, okay, maybe they, seven. Yeah, maybe they beat like the Redskins because their quarterback situation is skeptical. Although the Redskins have a phenomenal defense. Like, yeah, not, I think I not, think they're going we're not, we're not, we're not, to crush not. you all. No, because in order for us to get crushed, you've got to have an offense that I think can do that more than sort of like short pass game. Underrated. That offense is yeah. underrated. They have Curtis yeah. Samuel and Terry McLaurin and Antonio Gibson. Like maybe look. Yeah, Fitz great. Magic. Those are all great. Those are all great players in like the eighth and ninth round of your fantasy draft. But their quarterback is who? Fitzmagic. Who was their quarterback before that? Oh, we can't talk about him because of what just happened. My apologies. We'll move on. Anyway. Okay. All I'm um, saying is week four, that's prime Fitzmagic time until you get to like I week think, six, seven. Then it no, becomes Fitzmagic. Week I four think is that, prime Fitzmagic time. I think that there's a scenario in which if you told me the Falcons beat 
the Giants, Redskins, and split with the Saints. That's three extra wins. It's, it's feasible. It's, it's plausible. It's not likely. I'm not saying it's likely. Not even gonna, I'm not even betting in like the Falcons go, what is it, nine and eight? But I could see the scenario where it happens. And it has more to do with how teams get up and play for their own division. Every, Tampa's going to get everyone's best shot, and they're uber talented in that division. But if you you got to have quarterback play in this NFL, and there's a lot of teams that got shaky quarterback play. Like if Jameis Winston is just like meh, or God forbid they start the tight end um, at quarterback, then you know what I'm saying? Like the, those are different situations. But I think we don't know what Atlanta is, and then we're going to look back like after week four and go either, wow, their defense has shown us something we can't see, or, oh, my God, the Kyle Pitts thing is phenomenal. Or after four games, they're one and three, and it's bring on the tank. Okay, that puts us to the Saints, and I think the Saints are interesting because for the longest, you kind of felt like the Saints were like a almost 10-win floor, right? And I think that is no – I mean, yeah, you're a hater. I get it. Uh, NFC South. But I am – of the mind at this point that the saints are actually probably going to go nine and eight. And I think that is a, a, a good nine and eight. Look, I think they'll beat the Packers week one. They'll beat the giants, the Washington football team, the Falcons twice. They'll split with the Panthers, beat the jets, the Cowboys and the Eagles. And I it's, it's interesting. Cause that means they take losses to the bucks, obviously twice. I think that's a pretty safe bet. Uh, one to the Panthers. I think they'll lose to the Seattle Seahawks and the Bills and the Dolphins. And the Dolphins is the mm-hmm. interesting one because they get a short turnaround. They get Sunday night football, Monday night football against the Bucks mm-hmm. and Dolphins back to back. That mm-hmm. is going to be a goo lock. And I think That's that is rough. the area where they'll take a unexpected loss to a team that they should probably be better than because of the short turnaround. And that puts them at nine and eight instead of a 10 and seven record. I will take – I can't take the over because I don't think 10 wins. So I guess I got to take the under, but it's like I guess a push. So you push I can it see nine, them, nine and a half? I, I, like, honestly, I can see them losing the game to the Falcons. I can see them losing to the Panthers. Just like the way the division works. Like so you every can see year, them going seven. It's plausible. And nine. Oh, okay. Well, seven, seven and ten. Right? Seven and ten. Thank you. Like teams in that team – like. Number one, the Saints lost a really key defensive tackle that's super important for their defensive pressure up front. That means those first six games, they're without that player. So, like, you may see a game they lose in that first six that you thought they should have won. Um, until I know who their quarterback is, it's hard for me to say 10. I will feel better about Jameis and Saints at 10. I'm sorry, I called them the Saints. The Aints at 10 if they had Jameis. But, like, you know – I. Michael Thomas, that friction, what is that going to be like? Alvin Kamara. After those two on terms of the offense, they've got a great offensive line. Don't get me wrong. They do have a great offensive line. But, like, who's the second round receiver? What if Alvin Kamara gets hurt, like, and misses a couple of games? Like, the, the, the depth that they have on offense, I don't think is as great as you might think. And I could see them sort of slipping, especially early out the gate, struggling a little bit. I think, you know, you know, it's not a guarantee they're going to have a winning record. Okay. Okay. That brings us down to the team that I'm pretty sure we can both guarantee will have a winning record, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. What? And- you just said the Carolina Panthers? I'm sure. 
Look, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are interesting in so far as I have them going 13 and four. Whatever. And I feel like the four games they lose are going to be like to the Patriots. I actually think Tom is going to go into the Patriots, in, into the Patriots, into Foxborough, and he's going to take an L. I think Bill um, is going to be mm. They got to be salivating for this game. Salivating. You, you think and Tampa loses to the Patriots? I think it is. I think Bill. I think Bill has been waiting for this, and I you think that. What's up? No, no, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. I, I think All you're right. going to be surprised at what I think they're they're going to do. Okay, I think they'll also lose to the Colts, the Bills, and the Bears. And I feel like the Bears is just kind of one of the. They lost to the Bears last year, dude. That's the weird thing. Like the Bears are just kind of one of those teams that. Okay, what's up? Um, everybody needs to know that there is a diehard Chicago Bears fan on this what? podcast, and he's just like, "Oh yeah, my Chicago Bears has." Trailer has land, uh, fields and we're, uh, never mind, whatever. Go ahead, yeah, yeah, that's fine. Yeah, okay. I, I honestly, at, at week seven, I'm I, I preferably Andy Dalton would still be the quarterback at that time, but yeah. that's neither here nor okay. there. Uh, okay. I'm not one of those Bear fans that are just like, oh, start Justin Fields week one, let's get it going. But like, I, I, I get it, but I actually think that, like, you know. A fluky loss. You know, there's usually those extremely good teams take a fluky loss here or there that they should not lose and that they came into the game knowing that they should not lose. And I think that's going to be the Bears' loss for them. It's going to be that game where you're like, how the hell do we lose to these guys at home? Are you ready for my prediction? Yes, indeed. Are you ready for the hot take? Hot take? Are you going to say 17-0? Undefeated. Ah, hot take. Undefeated. Undefeated. I'm going to tell you why. All of their hardest games are at home. The Rams just lost their starting running back. That's huge. Mm-hmm. They needed acres for that kind of a game. Um, are the Dolphins ready for prime time? I think that defense is, but I don't know about that offense. Uh, I think they destroy the Patriots. I think Tom walks in there and hangs 40, and they put boot to you-know-what, right? I think they'll handle the same. I, the, here's the tough matchup for me. Week, I don't know what week this is, but Bucks at Colts. That's the game at week 12. Week 12. Week 12. That's, yeah, that's the game. Not because like I think Carson Wentz is legit, but that's a complete team on the road and excellent defense can hold them in check. You know, I can see like, look, they may have the division damn near wrapped up by week 12, week 13, and they may be just like ready to coast and get that one seat. Okay? Almost definitively. So, so I can see only one body, so they probably right, keep playing. Right, right. But yeah, that's fair. That's what, that's why, you know, they're the only folks in that one body. But like after the Colts, it's home, this road Falcons, home Bills, home Saints, road Panthers, road Jets, home Panthers. I yeah. mean, like how much more of a cushy schedule do you want? Look, Tampa, if you don't win every game and win the Super Bowl, you're choked. I said it. I said it. <laughs> you're going you're going 17 and 0 and then how many ever games you need to win the Super Bowl. They'll Look, probably play the Chiefs again and then lose to the Chiefs again. But Tom Brady said he'd trade two rings for a perfect season. I think they go for the perfect season. Okay. I just I just 
minus a substantial injury, and I think that substantial injury comes to Tom Brady. I just there's not a team that can beat them in the NFC anymore, oh, or at least on that yeah. schedule. Or on that schedule, I don't see a loss. De- if they're so, yeah. Okay, I I could see it. So you would take the over on thirteen and a half. I think the money on the over, and I haven't looked. You can tell me, but I think. Oh, sorry. <clears throat> Derek would look at the all the money on the over and think that that's an interesting bet. Let's say that. <laughs> okay, that leads us to the last team in the division, the Carolina Panthers. I think this team is much improved, but they still have a ways to go. I have them going eight and nine, and I think that that is pretty good. I have, I think that they got better in a lot of places. Their wide receiving core is significantly strong. They should be significantly better if Christian McCaffrey can stay healthy. And I'm not out on Sam Darnold. They have a lot of young defensive pieces from two drafts ago when they went all defense that should hopefully mature and become like stalwarts in the NFL. But I think that they will beat the Jets, the Saints once, the Texans, the Eagles, the Vikings, the Falcons, the Cardinals, and the Dolphins. That means. Uh, that's two losses to the Bucks, one to the Saints, one to the Bills, one to the Falcons, one to the Patriots, Cowboys, Giants, and Washington football team. I, I can see them getting eight. I probably take the under. I think they're a year away. They've got to get used to playing. Darnold has to show me he can be healthy. I don't have a talent. It's not a talent issue with Darnold. It's just can you not go down for five, six weeks? Um, Christian McCaffrey is a monster. I think we all know this. Their offensive line is shaky, and generally speaking, when your whole line is a little shaky, it's difficult for me to think you can come close to a winning season, and eight wins is close to a winning season. I think their defense is maybe a year away, but I think it's on to come. I think it's on to come up, uh, and I think they're, they're going to they're gonna, like give some teams hell. They just don't have that experience yet to be able to do it. If you told me the Panthers – Next year, we're eleven and five. I wouldn't, or eleven and six. I wouldn't be shocked okay. because I think they've got a lot of young talent, and you know they're a few pieces away. But I, I, I don't want. I, I don't want to. The over is a winning season for them, and I just can't see it. Oh, uh, okay, that makes a lot of sense. That makes a lot of sense. I'm, high, I'm actually really high on the Panthers this year. Like I feel like the division is soft. It's the softest it's really been in a while, right? Like the Saints are at their low point, the Bucks are fantastic, but outside of that, like really, what is it? So I'm mm. I'm interested to see what ends up happening. This is going to be kind of a referendum year on Sam Darnold for sure. Yeah, yeah, he's got he's playing for his future as a starting cornerback in the NFL. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. It's a it's it's a Playboy affair. Welcome to the final segment of our show, the heart of our show, Ballers Bouquets. Too often in the media, people only want to focus on the negative and salacious things athletes do and never want to give them their credit where credit is due. Here, we like to make a change. And this week's Ballers Bouquet recipient is someone that has definitely, definitely gotten a lot of coverage for the more salacious things in their past, especially leading up to this year's draft. This week's Ballers Bouquet goes to Dallas Cowboys linebacker, Micah Parsons. 
Now, Micah Parsons, 2021 first round draft pick from Penn State for the Cowboys, recently inked a $17 million guaranteed four-year rookie deal. And the first thing that he did with this deal was, of course, buy his mother a home. And we all know, we've heard the stories over and over again of these professional athletes, and many of them grew up in single-parent households. Many of them watched their parents or their mother struggle to make ends meet and give them all the opportunities that they can have to reach where they do in life. And it's very important for Micah Parsons, who actively saw these struggles and motivated him to take that step forward and keep working on his game to get to where he did today. Now, prior to his pre-draft conversations, he had an interview. And in that interview, he said the first thing that he wanted to do was finally get my own house, clear my mom's debt. We moved around a lot when I was younger. So my mom could put me in the position that we needed to be in. So I want to be able to put my mother into our own home and have something to call ours. It would be amazing. And just a couple months post the draft, he did exactly just that. He posted videos on Instagram showing this massive, beautiful house in the Dallas area. And as the person that's in the Dallas area, I can let you know housing prices are aggressive. And he gave her the home. We saw her elation, saw how beautiful the home was. And it's important to highlight these stories because not all acts of giving are charitable to strangers, but still should get the attention and flowers while these athletes are still here. True that. Nice job, Parsons. All right. Look, that was it for episode 44 of the Fly Route Podcast. As always, we appreciate each and every single one of you for rocking with us and listening, whether you're on YouTube, Spotify, Apple Music, Audia, Podcruncher. We see you all listening on whatever platform that you're using, and we love your engagement. As always, let us know what you think. You can hit us up on Twitter or Instagram at the Fly Route Pod or Facebook.com slash the Fly Route Pod. Or even just send us some of the questions that you all have that you would like us to delve into on the show, theflyroutepod at gmail.com. And I cannot wait to give you all another episode next week. The Fly Route Pod. The Fly Route Pod.